So uh, this is my chance to be Jeremy Paxman. Very good, very good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Please not. It's just such a huge pleasure to meet you, David. And uh, we had sort of five minutes earlier on this evening, and I'm fascinated by your life and all the things you've done. Love you to share it with this audience. And perhaps you might start by just telling us a bit about what's been your favourite part that you've played and what does how how has being an actor helped you in your christian development um well thank you thanks for having me uh here this evening it's actually just a a real pleasure to get to talk about my faith in a building that uh, i didn't expect to do that um uh i i've been really really blessed in my career there's so many uh um parts i could talk about but you know i i I guess the one, as has already been said, that I, I'm most known for is is playing Dr. King, and that, of course, was a, a huge moment in my life, in my career, and in my faith, really, um, not least because of who he was as a, as a man, but as a Christian, and also as a father. And the, the thing that really impacted me about playing Dr. King is is the fact that he truly embodied that thing that, you know, any, any of us who um, admire Christ and what he did choose to uh, uh, follow his example or at least acknowledge what he did on the cross, Dr. King is someone who lived that out in terms of a life of sacrifice. Um, as I researched his life, one of the things that I came to realize is that as much as I admired him, I just don't know that I could have done what he did. Um, For 13 years of his life, he was every single day of those 13 years, his life was threatened, Um, but not just his, but his family's Mm. life was threatened. And he had four children like I do. And, you know, I, I, I like to think that I would be prepared to be in a place of self-sacrifice for social uh, justice if it was just me. But, you know, I have three boys and a girl. Um, they are 18, 15, 11, and 8. The idea of someone threatening my 8-year-old daughter because of what I was doing um, in the fight for, for social justice would be a huge struggle for yeah. me. And he was away from home um, for... 25 to 28 days of any given month just on the road um, and so a lot of the time those threats were, were happening to children he wasn't even around uh, to protect and so I, I'm just so full of admiration uh, for the fact that he did that but also the fact that he was very human you know and I think that's something we try to show in the film that he was a flawed man and yet still did that that those these amazing things anyway and I think that that's a great example of what the Christian life actually truly lives like it looks like yeah the 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 sin in your life which is inevitable does not disqualify you Mm. uh from doing God's will and uh again he is just someone who um really typified that yeah isn't that right we do learn that it's all about you know each of us being sinners and yet at the same time if you can turn to God if you can um, display your faith then you will be saved and I think um, Martin Luther King really epitomized that didn't he because he himself was so 
threatened, and yet he was peaceful in return. He didn't retaliate, he didn't sort of try and go to war, spark a civil war or something. He was always peaceful. Do you, do you find, is that part of his Christianity? Is that is that the feeling you share? Yeah, I think that's something that isn't acknowledged enough, is mm. just how much his Christian faith informed the fact that he took a non-violent stance. Um, it's not that he wasn't angry. It's not that he wasn't indignant. It's not that he was just uh, an inherently peaceful person. He really um, took what the Bible said to heart um, and knew that love, um, true love, is about loving those who don't necessarily love you back. Mm. Um, and, and that's a, I mean, when you think about the history of slavery and how it culminated with the civil rights movement, that's an unthinkable state to be in, but it's, I, I've studied the civil rights movement uh, deeply and it was the only truly, in my opinion anyway, effective way yeah. to combat it because it was so disarming. The Bible talks about heaping coals on the head of your yeah. enemies yeah. by um, showing them kindness. And, and, and I think that that is, uh, that is definitely um, what, what his um, approach to, to that movement did. Yeah, so you played an extraordinary man there, mm. but you've also played a multiple murderer. How, how was that for you? How, how hard was that to do? Well, to give you context, um, so that was a film uh, called Captive, and uh, you know I played a character called Brian Nichols in that in that film, and he um, was a man who was being sentenced uh, for rape, and uh, on one morning uh, in uh, Atlanta, he was in the process of being sentenced, and he somehow managed to get a gun off of one of the security guards, and he killed four people in the courthouse, and then. Um, uh, ran off and took a lady called Ashley Smith hostage for seven hours. Um, and in that, and she was a meth addict who had been given a book called The Purpose Driven Life, uh, Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. And she had read only chapters of it. She hadn't read the whole book. Um, and it's a book that I had actually read myself. And she somehow used that book to talk that murderous man down from the fact that he wanted to kill her and ultimately kill himself. And in that book is full of the goodness and grace of God. And somehow this man who had gone on this murder spree ended up letting her go and giving himself up. And he did that because he had gone in seven hours from a place of absolute meaninglessness and purposelessness to a place of recognizing that that woman's life had purpose because she had shown him something he hitherto hadn't seen, which was compassion, mm. which was to see him as a human being, which is what he hadn't had anywhere else in his life. So, you know, I'm a big believer in the fact that the light shines brightest in the darkness. And I'm not someone who subscribes to the idea that Christians, certainly when it comes to storytelling, should only tell stories of light. The Bible is an R-rated book. 
I mean, it is full of murder and yes. rape and incest and every degradatious thing you can think of. But the thing that you come away with from the Bible is the light of God, is uh, salvation, is Christ, is, you know, the friendship of the Holy Spirit. But I do think what makes those things most potent is just how dark life without God Jesus, the Holy Spirit, can be. Mm, and mm. so I, I deem it a real responsibility to show how much that light is needed by not shying away from the darkness. Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it, that so often in the Bible it's a real sinner, somebody who's really sinned. And in a way, sometimes when you look at some of the uh, explanations of someone who was, uh, you know, a, 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 an adulterer, you know, the, the words don't really do justice to mm. the magnitude of the sins that they've <coughs> undertaken. And yet those are the people that certainly Jesus chose to forgive and to say to them, sin no more and it's quite easy to be glib about that but that's that whole idea of redemption is quite profound isn't it it's it not only is it profound but i think it highlights the self-righteousness that um in the christian church in politics in in my industry as well that people can have there is a sort of a um a disingenuous um attitude towards who and what people actually are um, when you really dig deep as to what is going on in, in our minds, in our lives, behind closed doors, um, it is way darker than, than what we project. And the, the, the Bible, I think, is, is, flies in the face of religiosity, uh, in, in a sense. You know, I do think there is a difference between faith and religion. I think that thing that we talk about in terms of a relationship with God where he sees the crevices in your life if any of us had our worst moments projected on this wall trust me we would be cancelled <laughs> um, and 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 uh, and probably rightly so but you know there is a sometimes a need whether it's within the church or or or, or otherwise to pretend like that is not the case and I think the reason the Bible profiles and showcases these men and women who did heinous things and coming to a place where they did righteous things is because God knew that ultimately when we read those stories those are the characters we're going to identify with mm. and what I do for a living is to project humanity in a way that everyone in here hopefully gets to recognize themselves and I think that that's that's ultimately what the Bible um, actually mm, does. Mm. So you've been a Christian for a long time. Can you tell us a bit about your own personal journey? <coughs> yeah, um, I became a Christian when I was 16. I grew up in the church. Um, my parents and I, we lived in uh, Islington and we went to um, Tollington Park Baptist Church in Islington. And um, I found the services interminably boring. Um, unthinkable. Uh, boring church service. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I uh, you know, and I, I felt frog marched by my parents to, to go to church. And, uh, you know, they would fall asleep within about five minutes of the service starting. And I thought, why am I here? I'm awake. You're asleep. And you forced me to come. Um, but I, 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 did, I did this um, thing when I was 16 where I, I said, okay, I'm going to go to a different church 
And if you are real, God, whatever and whoever you are, you've got to turn up for me within three months or I'm done. I'm out. Um, and uh, I ended up going to this Pentecostal church in Finsbury Park. Um, and uh, over the course of being there within those three months, I had a very real encounter with Christ. I heard an audible voice say to me, there is nothing you can do to make me love you less. Mm. And it, it flew in the face of all that I had read in the Bible or grown up with. I just thought God wasn't fun. I just thought, you know, I want to be having sex with girls and not, and on a Sunday, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, those just felt like things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. And, uh, and, um, but it, it just completely um, changed my perception of who God is. I, I, and I, I developed this relationship um, and, and it just so happened. I mean, I, I feel God talks to everyone in different ways, but God talks to me. Like I, mm. I hear God in, in a way and it's often crosses my will or it's not, it's not what I'm thinking at that given moment. It's discernible for mm. me. And so, you know, since the age of 16, that has stayed and, um, God told me who to marry, gave me the name of every one of my children, told me in 2007, before anyone would think of me as playing Dr. King, that I would play Dr. King in that film, Selma. Mm. Um, you know, I, 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 my wife and I moved to LA in 07, um, got this script, and I was in a time of praying and fasting, and again, that audible voice, I wrote it in my diary, 24th of July, 2007. I wrote it because it was so nonsensical. I hadn't played any American roles. My wife and I were only two months off the boat, as it were, from the UK. And the first director who was going to be directing that film rejected me. So that should have been the point I went, oh, okay, well, that's not happening. And it didn't happen for seven years, five directors later, but it did happen. And that's how my life has played out. So yeah. when the Bible talks about going from faith to faith, that is something I know in a yeah. real way. Yeah. You know, my faith has been built on taking steps in faith that have been met by God and therefore has continued to build my faith. And that's interesting because you say five directors later, that must have been several years later then. Yeah, yeah, seven years. So actually yeah. having faith in God, having told you this is the direction of travel and you stick with it. So. Mm. Do you ever have doubts? Oh, of course. Oh, of course I have doubts. But again, that's why the Bible is so instructive. I mean, thankfully, it was seven years. My goodness, poor Moses, 40? Oh, you know. Um, so so um, I got off lightly. Um, so, so yeah, but, but the, the people in the Bible who did the greatest things, I mean, you know, what what Jesus was was meant to do and that didn't happen for 30 years what Joseph was meant to do and how long that took what David was yeah. supposed to do and how long that took there was a promise that was then you know met with a process um, beyond which God's will was ultimately done and, and the Bible is very clear an inheritance gained quickly will not be blessed in the mm -hmm. end God knows us well enough to know that there is a maturation that needs to take place in order for us to truly step into what is his will. And I think that's because eternity is so stretched mm -hmm. and our lives are so finite and we want to get there very quickly. 
but you know he's not about microwave he's about you know the slow cook because it tastes better <laughs> so so yeah that 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 all makes sense and so with your own children we were talking earlier about how children are a great sort of keeping your feet on the ground yeah and have you raised them to become christians have they found their own faith have you struggled to try and um, give them that faith and what what recommendations would you make to other people who have children and want to raise them in the faith but unlike your parents don't want to just drag them down to the local boring church service right well la is an incredibly challenging place to um <laughs> to raise children who have values forget christianity um and and let alone to then be in the public eye and all the challenges that come with that and then they're in private schools where people fly to school in helicopters you know it's it's a it's a it's a it's a challenge mm. but the what we have come to recognize my wife and i is it's it's less about what they're told it's more about what they see um and you know my wife and i try to live our lives as christians very openly um before our children and we do uh, what we say we don't just ask them to 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 do what we say to them we we actually live it out uh or try to as much as possible and have a very open dialogue with them about faith about doubt and the fact that that is okay you know i i i tell them about my doubts i t you know we talk about people who had doubts in the bible and i i think that that is also one of the things that um can rob a child of their own spiritual journey is the idea that in some way they are sinning by having doubt mm, mm. um for me that has been an absolute part of the process and sometimes to to let your children come away in the hope that you you they will come back but you know take the bible's advice teach a child the way he should go and he will return to it when he's older yeah we hope yeah. um, <laughs> you know but thankfully my 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 children thus far you know no one's done anything too crazy mm. um and uh, and they 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 are they are believers and yeah. they're, they're owning it for themselves which is a blessing and we've had to pray that in it's not something that it's i can say has just been us yeah. you know it's it's been a a thing that we uh, we regularly pray for Hello. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, doubt is, is one of those things that every Christian suffers. I know the Archbishop of Canterbury has talked about suffering doubts, and I do certainly agree with you that for all Christians it's always a challenge when you wake up one day and think, well, this is just rubbish, you know, mm -hmm. this, well, why, why do I have these beliefs? They can't be true. And, and in particular, I think sometimes life gets in the way, and you must find that in the acting profession. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of protect yourself from the... Well, the very obvious temptations, but in particular, the one that I think acting and politics have in common, which is that kind of self, I'm so important feeling mm. that is so against what Jesus teaches. Well, again, as the Bible says, you know, build your life on the rock and when the storms come, you will stand. Um, you know, one of the occupational hazards of my profession is self-obsession um which no one here has as a uh, as a, a problem never um, and but if the rock is jesus christ that means it's not me and when the storms 
come, which they inevitably will, the thing that has kept me from toppling has been that. Mm. I am as susceptible as anyone, especially in the profession I'm in, to, to self-obsession, vanity, all of those things. But the fact that Jesus, his, his existence, both when here on earth and beyond, was about self-sacrifice, was about looking beyond himself, that has, has been huge for me because I have had to, and I think this is what we are all called to as Christians, to, in the same way that the Bible talks about keep, keeping a short account when it comes to repentance, I think you have to keep a short account when it comes to intentionally stepping out into your life every day and looking outward mm-hmm. as opposed to inward. And everything in my profession forces you to look inward the reviews the box office what you look like what the papers say you know whether you are, are on the on the up or on the on the down or whatever you know whatever it is there's always this incoming that makes you self-reflect in a way that is myopic and to be perfectly frank cancerous to the to the soul i think um and to to intentionally push that away by who Am I serving? How am I serving? Whether it's the story, serve the director, serve your other actors, serve the audience. Um, Whether it's you have a degree of notoriety, who is this platform that I've been giving, given, helping? These are all things that, you know, as great as they are for other people, selfishly, they are absolutely necessitous to push back that wall of self-importance that is coming your way any and every single day. And... You know, that that has been the thing for me. You know, I am I have very thin skin. Like I can't read reviews because I'll just be depressed for if I get a I could get three thousand great reviews. You give me one bad review, I will be able to quote that review <laughs> abs verbatim. Um, and so, you know, I've just gotta try and stay away from that. But that's how thin skinned I am. So but you are just as susceptible to the flattering tongue of man, you know, to to rely on or get your self-esteem from what other people say about you think about you and that becomes an idol Mm. Uh, and it shifts god it shifts christ as the center of your life to the side and you replace it with yourself and it happens so quickly Um, and so you know the short account i'm talking about is you know just an intentional daily act of going no that is not what I want to be, who I want to be, or who I've called, I've been called to be. Mm. And trust me, I have plenty of periods of time where awards are terrible for this as well, by the way. Um, you know, where you just think, oh, no, I have arrived. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about being intentional. Yeah, well, that doesn't sound at all like politics, does it? <laughs> we don't worry about what the papers say about us, do we? <laughs> Certainly not. No, it's, it, is, um, it, it is extraordinarily akin to what politicians experience, I think. And uh, we were talking earlier about some of the abuse. And I think um, actors do get the abuse if they're through the kind of reviews. And politicians certainly get it through social media. And, mm. you know, we're all subject to people criticising what we wear, how we look, who we're out with, you know, what we ate, what car we drive, etc. And I mean, how does how does that how do you keep your faith through all of that? You said you just try and block it out and um, focus on service, but I think sometimes 
it can be quite overwhelming, can't it? Is it? Do you then turn to family? Do you turn to prayer and fasting? How do you, how do you actually deal with it? Um, a number of ways. I'm not going to lie to you and say I succeed every time. Um, but you know, uh, for me, my my family uh, is a huge part of that, and uh, you know, my my just I mean, just having for me anyway, if just having young children, you just can't focus on yourself as much as you would if that weren't the case. Um, having a church community that is is loving and I can you know be accountable to um, is is an is an incredible help, but. I think it's it's coming, you know, where does my hope come from? Where does my self-esteem come from? Who am I here for and why? And again, those are those are things that get skewed for me all the time, but the thing that always helps me to bounce back is that it is that we are each and every one of us, this is gonna sound a bit corny, but we are miracles. You know, to be alive and to have had an encounter with God and to know that your eternal life is secure is absolutely miraculous. To know that this life is a flash in the pan compared to eternity. My wife preached a sermon yesterday and she she quoted Joyce Meyer who had said that statistics show that no matter who you are and what you do, 10% of the people around you are not going to like you. That's just a fact, statistically. So I just go, oh, okay, you're part of the 10%, cool. Okay, (laughs) and and that's what I'm gonna do now, from now on, because that's such a freeing thing to know that you are never going to be able to please Mm. everyone. I'm just as bad. I'll watch a movie and go, oh, that was terrible. Oh, you know, if I were the critic, that's probably what I would end up writing. There are things I don't like. Uh, and, and so that, that's just a, a part of being in the, in the public yeah. eye is an acceptance of that. But I, I do also think that as a Christian, there is something of, you know, what, what, how do you want your life to be reflecting from you and into other people. I do think people are watching. I do think people are, because we we all as human beings are susceptible to this, what we're talking about. But, you, you know, to think of what, what, what Jesus did when people said terrible things to him, he, he sometimes he would just walk away. I mean, like, yeah. that's so great. I wish I could do that. Um, and, uh, and, and he, he you know, it's it's about i think it's about knowing who you are in christ and being able to still look someone who says that to you in love yeah and allowing that to be mm-hmm. and that is a testimony there are so many people you will affect by doing that that you will never truly know probably not till eternity what the effect it had on them that mm-hmm. they said that terrible thing and you were somehow able to say bless you yeah yeah that's big isn't it it's that is very big huge that's a huge issue i think for yeah. every single human being is that whole forgiveness word yeah yeah so um we talked a bit earlier about some of the challenges that you have in yeah. the acting profession particularly around areas like diversity mm. and you you uh, 
you were saying that you're frustrated by the fact that most good black actors hightail it to the states because mm. they feel they get a fairer hearing there. How much of an issue has that been for you? Is that the reason you went to the states? Yeah, I felt forced out. Yeah. You know, um, we have an incredible tradition of theatre and storytelling in this country. I mean, it, it is the best theater in the world, in my opinion. And a, a, as a result, we cultivate some of the best talent in the world, but we are terrible at nurturing it, mm. especially when it comes to black and brown people. Um, and the reason I felt the need to, to move to Los Angeles is that the stories I wanted to tell and the characters I wanted to play are not of value. And that is demonstrated every time you watch the television, every time you try to get a project going. I literally went to the BBC um, with, with, a, with, you know, having done Spooks, having had this show that had incredible notoriety. Mm -hmm. And I went with this, um, there was a boxer, a bare knuckle boxer called Bill Richmond, who uh, went on to be knighted by the Queen. It was just an incredible story. And, um, and I was told that... Um, uh, the audience wasn't ready for that because it wasn't Austin's or, Dis or Dickens. And the, the audience want, want something that is a treat. Mm -hmm. And so that is Austin or Dickens. Well, if I'm not reflected in those, then what are, what are you How saying? You? Yeah, exactly. Who I am, what I represent, you know, because we didn't come to this country on the Windrush. You know, we've been here for, for centuries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is built on the back of... Africans. I mean, you know, colonization is was the life put the great in Great Britain. So I feel absolute ownership of this country as a Britain. But if who I am to this country is not being reflected in one of the greatest things we give the world, storytelling. I mean, the, a, a study showed that one of the things that kept Great Britain from recession last year was the film industry, this booming film industry. And if black and brown people are not being reflected in that, considering we, con considering we do consider ourselves a, having several cosmopolitan cities, um, then what are we doing, you yeah. know? From me to Chiwetel Ejiofor to Idris Elba to Naomi Harris to John Boyega to Daniel Kaluuya to Letitia Waite, all of those people I've just named are British, and the characters you will know them for playing are American. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a huge indictment. Mm, it is. Um, really on 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 this country, and yeah. and they all we all got our start here. Mm-hmm. In drama schools, in theatre, on the BBC, at the National, at the RSC, and at some point, we realised that in order to scale the heights of what is possible as an actor, we have to go across the pond. And yeah. the really awful thing is that until you go, you don't get celebrated back here. Really? When, yeah. Once I left, the phone didn't stop ringing. Right. And I thought I was, I was, I was there, guys. I was right yeah. there, yeah. knocking on all the doors. And now you're filming back here at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for doing a George Clooney movie. That's an American film, right. and uh, and and I'm going back to LA in two weeks. So <laughs> you know, so yeah. you know, uh, which is which is un unfortunate, and and. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, when you look at the BAFTAs and you, and you go, 20 acting nominations and not a single black yeah. person. When Cynthia Erivo is being nominated for an Oscar in, the, in, in, in America for playing Harriet Tubman, we have black heroes here that people don't even know. There's, there's, it's not in the curriculum. It's not being taught. This, this goes like to the 16th century, the 15th century. Like we've been here for so yeah. long. Yeah. And these stories are just not being told. And that's the power of this medium, whether you like it or not. So much of what we know to be our history is told to us through story. Mm. And, uh, and if that's not being reflected on the BBC, uh, on, in movie theaters, you know, then it's, it's, people are going to remain ignorant yeah. about it. And the difference in America, because I'm not saying it's perfect there, but slavery is was a moment in Americans in America's history where black people's contribution to that country became undeniable. It is it is indisputable and they also have a black middle class. Here we we don't have a black middle class that is vocal enough and evident enough in order to demand representation and being fed. And so we remain on the margins mm. and we remain in a situation whereby there is a denial of just how much we are here we contribute to this country not just now but historically yeah and so that's why i get to play dr king that's why cynthia Rivo gets to play harriet tubman that's <laughs> why uh chiwetel ejiofor gets to do that role in 12 years a slave that's why that is happening yeah, yeah. and uh it's it's, it's just not good enough. And in the 13 years since I moved from here, the needle has just not moved mm, enough. Mm. Well, I have to say that that's also very much the case in business. You know, my job as business secretary, um, trying to get more diversity onto boards, trying to get more people from different backgrounds to start a business. You know, it's just mm. not good enough. We're not moving fast enough. So it's really interesting to hear your views there. So um, coming back to your faith and mm. your your role as a as a leader in acting who is also a christian what part would you most like to play what what do you think would really help you to demonstrate your faith through your acting mm-hmm. oh my goodness um <laughs> i don't i actually i actually don't know i've been so fortunate i mean i i, I playing dr king playing serete karma in a film i did called the united kingdom you know these these are things that were long-held dreams of mine um to be honest, going forward, the, the, the role that I really value and I want to continue to grow in is being a producer, mm-hmm. is, is to not just talk about that. I'm, I'm, to be honest, what I just said to you, I, 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 I probably wouldn't even say in public anymore because I, uh, I'm bored of it. You know, I, I was invited to present at the BAFTAs last night and I said no. You know, I just I just don't want to go somewhere where I don't feel welcome. Oh, that's so um, and uh, and for me, the way to to combat it now, I think, is to just do the work. And and so I'm going to produce films that platform and showcase what I believe needs to yeah. be done. So I will work with black and brown filmmakers. I will have them behind the camera. I will make sure my sets are diverse. I will make sure that the power and the platform I've been given is used to exercise my own bias. Mm. Because that's the thing that I, I think is the sort of the dirty secret about all of this is that what we are seeing 
um, with with the awards, with the with what I experienced at the BBC, all you are seeing is people doing that very natural thing of exercising their bias, um, of how they see the world, of of how they see themselves. And the way to change it is to literally have other people mm -hmm. there, different kinds of people, who can also exercise their bias. Mm -hmm. Because I'm unashamed in saying I want to see black and brown people up there because that's what I didn't see as a kid. And I know the power yeah. of going, oh, it's me, or it's someone who looks like me, mm -hmm. and I can be that, and I can be that. And just how that expands your horizons in terms of what you think is possible. Mm. Um, so, for, for me personally, outside of the roles I get to play, the opportunities I can provide to other people is the thing I really want to keep myself uh, accountable to, because I think that is the, that is the main way I'm going to leave the world different than mm. I found it, mm. is to use whatever modicum of notoriety I have to make sure that other people have opportunities I didn't have. Well, that's fantastic. Nothing could be better than to really want to be a role model for others. That's just amazing. Mm. And so just then, so you don't really want to be pinned down on your dream next role. Because I don't know. You just don't know. I actually okay. honestly don't know. Well, that's one for the audience to know. suggest some roles. I'm just wondering, you know, James Bond. <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought. Not that I'm saying it happens Oh dear, yeah, it's how the rumours start. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, one question, obviously, that we have to ask you is, have you ever been tempted to go into politics? Lots of actors do it. I'm about to play the President of the United States. Oh, okay. uh, That's pretty political. Yeah, yeah. That's as much as I'm going to... As close as you'll get. Yeah, that's as close as I'll get. Okay. No, I'm about to do a show called The President is Missing, which is, funnily enough, based on a James Patterson, Bill Clinton yeah. novel. Okay. And I'm going to play the, the president in that. And um, it's, so, it's been so interesting because politics in America at the moment, for me... Is so depressing. I, I just I can't watch it. I've I've st I, I stopped watching. It and my dad is obsessed with it. He lives with us in in LA, and he he just has CNN all on all the time. And and I and I walk past and I and I hear certain things and see certain things and I just and because of doing the show, I suddenly have to really engage with politics. It's just the worst. Um, the the thing I've sort of pushed away I, I now have to re-engage re with but um, I have to say what you guys do is um, I don't I don't envy you um, I, I, I it's an incredibly incredibly difficult thing to have so many people's lives hopes and dreams in some way in your hands mm. you know you affect lives in a, in a very real way their ability to feed their families what they laws they're going to live by, what their children are going to have by way of opportunity. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't envy it because so much of it is rooted in compromise. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's a, a, a question I would have for you guys, because for me, as a content creator, you know, I have the luxury of, yes, there is some con compromise when it comes to collaboration, but ultimately, what I want to put out into the world, as I gain more of a voice, it, 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 it shifts, but it's pretty much what I want to make. Mm -hmm. It feels, it was so interesting talking to, to, to Bill Clinton, because he's a producer on this thing I'm about to do, and I could 
feel his pain over certain things that have become his legacy and how he is perceived and how hard it was for him to try and push certain things that didn't go the way he wanted and now that he's perceived as having gone a certain way and you know it's the legacy yeah and 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 he is, is is i can see him sort of wrestling with the legacy of his presidency and and knowing how much of an effect it had on people's lives and um that's 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 tough so Bless you all. Thank you. We definitely need it. So I have just one more question for you, and then I hope you've all got your questions ready because I'm turning to you next. So my final question is, if Jesus was going to make a film, what would it be about? Oh, boy. If Jesus were going to make a film, what what would it be about? Um, Well, I think his parables would be a pretty good Mm -hmm. indication um, they always, he's very good with structure um, in, in his parables. He, he's, he's very good with the rule of threes. So that's, that's pretty sound filmic structure. Um, and, and I think it would, it would be about what we've talked about tonight, redemption, forgiveness. Um, it would be a, about pointing people to sacrificial love. But the thing I, I think a lot of Christians would struggle with is that it would probably have prostitutes in it. It would probably have thieves in it. It would probably have murderers in it. It would yeah. probably have the equivalent of tax collectors in it. It would have some real baddies in it. And they would find their redemption not in a cookie-cutter, nice Christocentric way. They would be seen raping and pillaging. They would go from being a Saul to a Paul. Mm. And that's what would make that a blockbuster. Mm. Because people would go, oh my goodness, that's me. as opposed to what I see in a lot of quote-unquote faith-based movies, which is, you know, very nice Christians um, sort of interfacing with mildly bad people who have an altar call by the end of the film and then go on to be lovely Christians. That's just not the world we live in. And it's certainly not the world that Jesus lived in, and it's certainly not what he showed. He would show himself having a prostitute wash his feet and him rebuking the other religious leaders around him mm. for not being more like her. Mm. And I think that the church would struggle. Yeah, I'm sure that. you're right. It's a really good um, point. So, uh, so yeah, I'd see that movie. Yeah, well, it sounds like you should produce it. I should it. make that yeah, movie. Yeah, you should make yeah. that movie. 